Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with me, Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Digital Broker with me, Ryan Deeds, and the podcast where we discuss agency operations, employee engagement, technological adoption, and all the things surrounding an insurance agency and the multiple parties that work on, in, and with an agency. Big shout out to Indio, www.useindio.com. If you don't know them, you should check them out. They are a differentiator without you having to go and say, hey, we're different. They make collecting data easy. They make it easier for your clients, for your employees, for all the folks that you work with, and they create kind of a frictionless experience for all those parties. Today, I've got a good friend of mine who's been on the podcast a couple of times, Eric Wistrom from Couch, and I thought we would talk about some of the things that um, an agency deals with during the COVID crisis. Um, Eric, what's up, brother? Good to have you. How you doing, Ryan? Good to uh, good to talk to you again, man. I uh, always like coming on the podcast and talking about insurance technology. As you know, it's one of my passions that I share with you. I don't work in an agency every day. You know, I work with a multitude of agencies um, at a high level. Specifically, in the last uh, six months, I've been very uh, in the data in the weeds, and so you know, I thought it would be cool for you to come on and. Um, run me through kind of what you're dealing with but first kind of explain your agency explain what what risk you guys typically write what's the size what's the breakout how big are you guys where are you guys located so we're uh, we have about 120 employees we're located in liberty corner new jersey we have a few offices across the east coast um we in in general we're, we're a generalist agency that that has in the past focused on uh, retail business, uh, largely grown through acquisitions, and then transformed into uh, uh, an agency that focuses on uh, growth with programs and helping uh, other agents access product. And that, that formed a, a wholesale segment of our business in addition to the retail segment of our business. Would you say that pre-COVID, you know, before March, what percentage of your uh, staff worked remotely? How... how um, how, how advanced was your guys' work-at-home uh, situation at that point in time? Our work-at-home situation was, was not developed in, in any large regard. We had some staff, uh, salespeople, mainly out on the road or at home offices. Um, but overall, if you were to look at the, the overall 120 or so employees of Couch Bronstorff, we might have had maybe – 10 people working outside of the main office in Liberty Corner, New Jersey on a regular basis. And your position at Couch is, is what? So I serve as the CIO for Couch Promissor. So under my domain is really all the tech, um, but up until like, you know, you talk about just basic computers, uh, servers, switches, keeping the lights blinking and the internet going and all that. And then a couple layers on top of that, part of my role is customer experience and monitoring that and, and trying to drive uh, for surveys. We talked about net promoter surveys a lot in, in previous podcasts. So that's, that's one of my passions is trying to figure out how we're doing in various business units based on customer feedback. So then, okay. So, so you're, 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 you're kind of the, the head tech honcho at a, at a 120 person firm. You, you start catching wind of COVID. When did you guys get an awareness that 
that it was going to be a little bit serious and maybe impactful, you know, walk me through kind of the, the, the whole deal with from your <laughs> firm's perspective. When did that start? When were the decisions made? What did you guys do? How have you reacted and all that jazz? Yeah, we, we have fantastic communication at the executive level, um, monitoring for, for things both inside the insurance industry and outside the insurance industry. And we're very vocal and talk on a very regular basis about things that, uh, that may impact our business. And what we started to see, and I, I, geez, I think I was in, in Colorado skiing in early uh, March. And when I got back, there was a lot more news buzz in the U.S. that was starting to, to uh, build in terms of uh, its presence on, on all the news channels. Um, and when we, when we sat down and, and had a discussion about, you know, it's uh, the, the spread of the cases in, especially in the New York city and tri-state surrounding areas, you know, Ryan, I mean, that, that's been the, the major hotbed in the U S uh, uh, there have been others, but there's, you know, significant, uh, population of issues in, in, um, in the New York city area. And we're not that far from there. So we started to have conversations, I think around, March 5th, March 10th, that, that area where we said, you know, well, we, we played out a couple what if scenarios and we are not an organization that works remotely uh, on a regular basis. So this was a big lift of taking 120 people that typically don't work remote and, and be at least being able to have them uh, try to work remotely. Um, so if you, if you think about it, you know, we, we were, trying to plan how to do a failover like that as eloquently as we possibly could. So my ownership team gave me the opportunity to do a one day test on a Monday and uh, say, and we said to everybody on, on a Friday before that happened, we said, listen, on Monday, we want you guys to try and work from home in the morning, tell us how it goes and then come on in in the afternoon. Um, what equipment, what, what equipment? Did, so walk me through the equipment because the first thing that I think about <laughs> from a from a tried and true, I come to work at eight o'clock in the morning. I work until five. That generally means that I haven't invested in laptops. I the vast majority of my, my people are going to have desktops. Maybe they have home yeah. computers, but a lot of people today don't have home computers because so much stuff is done via the phone. Yeah. And where walk me through what sure. what what conversations and discussions you had to have around that and how you architected the different solutions for the different, I guess, people had computers, didn't have computers. What, how did you handle that? So we had a, an older and aging remote desktop infrastructure that I knew if we were going to have another snow day or another hurricane last year, we were, we were going to be tough uh, uh, to, to get through the day for all our staff. Because at the time, early in 2019, didn't really have the bandwidth, only had a 50 meg symmetrical connection, um, didn't, uh, didn't have people with laptops. It was all desktops. In fact, in early 2019, they were pretty much all windows seven, right? So even if you were to remote into that machine from the outside, it would be a single screen layout, right? You wouldn't be able to use multiple monitors. Right. So one of the things was in planning for hurricane season, actually last year was, uh, let's get everybody on windows 10, obviously, cause windows seven is going to become unsupported at some point, right? Um, and 
we, we did that transition and we were really lucky we did that. That was one of the, the, the lessons learned from this is always be on the most up-to-date OS you can, you can possibly be on, right? Um, because we had already a remote desktop infrastructure, so we had the remote desktop gateway and we could give people those RDP links where they could connect to their desktop at work. Right. So, so and, that, that was the strategy is they'd have a desktop at the office yeah. and then some kind of client device at home, either self-provided or provided by. Yeah. Guys. So, so we had a lot of <laughs> um, self-provided laptops of their own, right. Um, using RDP to connect and some additional security protocols that we had on top of that to integrate two-factor authentication at the remote desktop gateway level. Right. Um, because at, at, at that point I was really, really concerned about the security of having all this happen. Right. And what data is going to be able to live on their, their home laptops. And the decision was nothing, right. Don't, right. don't let them touch any data. Don't let them map drives, barely even let them print. Right. Right. So we do that, uh, about 80% of the people have home devices, I had to provision a few laptops. I even sent desktops home with people to get their 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 uh, machines there. But what I didn't want to do is have everybody VPNing in, right? Because right, hell yeah, takes a ton of bandwidth. It's really hard to control traffic. Yeah. Um, opens up a bunch of crap there. I mean, I would way rather in that situation. I mean, with with consumer provided product, I'd much prefer to RDP. It's pretty much screenshots, right? I mean, it's it's it, there's very there's very little access that they have to that information, and so it's, it's it, awesome. Like the bandwidth that that is going through that with the new RDP protocols that are that are actually thirty five KB or something, right? Oh man, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Like that was great, and then. So I, I got a little bit worried because I knew I was going to have at some point a power outage during this whole time. Right. And actually yesterday we had some, uh, we had some weather move by that the national weather service alerted us that there were going to be a ton of trees down, like gusting winds of 70 miles an hour. So I had already spun up in Azure, a windows 10 multi-session, um, Basically, it's like the, the Azure Windows version of VDI, right? Right. So you, you have them log in. It's all on Azure's bandwidth at that point. And then Azure is, is VPN into my network here, right? Sure. So Azure's bringing over on a single point of connection the stuff that it needs to. They're hitting Azure using Azure's kind of flexible bandwidth as they need to, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So that was pretty cool. And I, I rolled that out in the case that we were going to lose power. Luckily, we didn't. But um, now if we were to go through that scenario, our building loses power, we have a backup generator that only is able to, to handle a certain critical loads, right? But all those right. computers would shut down. So now our staff would have to get on through another method. And this is that method um, where we'd still have, you know, cross our fingers, bandwidth to the building. We'd still be able to get them on the, the typical agency management system, uh, we're on Office 365 for email, so they'd still have that, um, and they'd be a pretty much fully functional, essentially without lights on in the office. Um, so that was that was really cool, and it, it was uh, something that we we set up pretty inexpensively in Azure. Um, you know, you, you do have to provision the appropriate licenses to allow them. It's like a different level of Office 365 licensing. But if you're going to do it for a temporary period of time, like say, let's say you need to do it for the next two months, 
or well, right? Right. Um, and you can get through it. Okay. So, I mean, what I, one of the philosophical things I think is very interesting is we've been preaching kind of this stuff to upper management for years, right? Like, you know, we need to, we need to do this stuff. This is, this is the thing that, that our employees want and, you know, we, you get pushed back. And so you have a limited ability to, to drive that forward. Um, and I've seen this meme come across, you know, about digital transformation, you know, was it, uh, was it, the need for new experience was an employee engagement or was it COVID, you know, and <laughs> funny, I mean, cause I think that this, you know, from your perspective with the success, I mean, have you, have, uh, how, how many roadblocks and how many hitches did you hit while you were going through this process? I mean, you know, and where you sit right now, do you feel like it was an, a successful endeavor? Are your employees able to be productive and, and cover the client need at their, at their house? So I'll, uh, I'm going to go back to the hitches in a minute. Um, but I think we learned a whole lot about this. And if I had to do it um, this time last year, we would be in a lot of trouble. So I think that that continuous drive to improve the agency technology and show that there's something better out there and get buy-in from your executive team. Luckily I have a fantastic executive team that trusts me to get these things done. And you know, the, right now we're starting to see the results of all that convincing we did two years ago. Yeah. So like COVID has, has taught us, I think um, that, you know, from a productivity and activity tracking standpoint, that was one of our big concerns, right? So how do you, how do you make sure remote employees productive? How do you measure that? How do you know that Bob's working at the desk though? Right. I mean, that's, that's your, my argument all the time, exactly, right? It's exactly. like, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. Whether you're in the office or out of the office, you got to be measured on something and it, you should be able to be measured on the same thing. It's not just card swipes into the building, right? Right, right. Not just, it's not just logons to VPN. Keystrokes, you know, it's got to be results of some form, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can log on to VPN and jiggle the mouse all day. Sure. Right? And it looks like you're logged in. The, right. real, the real important thing is the output, right? And the That's quality right. of that output. So mm -hmm. this taught us something very important, which was, all the time spent on Power BI and SSRS and all, building all those systems to support business processes um, is, is valuable from a data quality standpoint, but it's also valuable from a productivity and activity tracking. Component. Sure. You get your benchmark, you get your baseline, you understand what normal looks like. So if somebody goes to the house and they're typically measured on these three or four metrics and you don't see a decline, yeah. you know, then, then yeah, now so you know that they're in line. For instance, we, we built this submission management tool um, that you've seen, you know, uh, a few times. But basically, we take in uh, data from our agents. It's risk-level data, so homeowners, auto data. Um, we take that. Our underwriting teams look at that data, and they bring it to carrier markets, and they have a communication over this platform that we built, right? And so one of the metrics we use to look at productivity is, or rather activity, is the amount of back and forth notes. So if I'm a, a new business coordinator, I'm sitting at home and I've posted 30 notes throughout the day, that's a great day, right? Because I'm going back and forth with agents. A better day is binding five or six policies with that agent, right? Absolutely. So that's the difference between activity, like churn, results. and then right. results and productivity. Luckily, we have that infrastructure there that our, our key people are not working on paper as much anymore. They're working within these systems, which give us a lot of activity tracking metrics. So 
if if anything has come out of this this whole work from home transition, it's it's getting back to how to manage effectively, right? From an operational level, being engaged with your team on a daily basis, right? Saying sure. hitting them up in the morning and saying, hey, what do you have on your plate today? What do you hope to accomplish today? And well, how do you how do you how do you get culture? You know, right? I mean, because that's one of the big things that we always ran into was. You know, if, if, if the team is dispersed, how do we maintain a, a culture internally with, with our organization? And I think that the tools that you guys have put in place and other agencies have put in place have been kind of a test bed for that. And then now when we go live with it, we have to do that. You know, you look at Teams adoption, you look at Slack adoption, you look at these oh, other man, tools adoption. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, hey, I mean, they're, they're huge things, you know, and so... Yeah. So, do you believe that once this is done, do you go back to everybody in the office eight to five, or now do you have a tool that you can leverage strategically to allocate this to, to help staff have more flexibility? So, I think that uh, we prove that we can do it. We can be productive. We can write business. We can service our customers. We can provide great customer experience. Right? I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. I think that. When we find our new normal, we're going to be back in the office um, because I do think that people miss each other. Um, people don't get the opportunity to interact as much uh, with their coworkers and build rapport and that and camaraderie um, as much if they're remote, right? Although you do have Slack and Teams and Ring Central meetings, and all that, you know, that really only goes so far, right? FaceTime goes a long way sitting down having, you know, a, a, a lunch with somebody, perhaps having a, a drink after work, you learn a lot about them, right? And, you know, we will get back into the office, but I'll tell you that a lot of the businesses that I see, a lot of the agencies that I talk to that are in this, this 20 to 40 employee range, right? Um, I see them saying, you know what? we don't need this $10,000 a month real estate office, right? We don't, we don't need this lease payment, right? We could deploy that cash better and let's work remote. So let's act like it's a virtual office at all times. Right. And or, maybe or even part-time, right? I mean, if you like, I, I see hoteling as happening uh, way more after COVID, right? Where you've got four or five people, you know, you've got one day a week where 20% of your people are working remotely and that's a rolling day across the board and people are sharing space. I think we'll see significant retraction from a real real estate corporate space, right? I mean, for our agencies, because now they've had to prove this out. But I also think it's pulled back kind of the mythical magic of remote for a lot of employees. Yeah, right? yeah. Like yeah. employees will look at remote workers and be like, ah, oh, they got it made. Yeah. And I mean, it, it like when I went remote, it took me some time, bro, to, to, to like full-time remote. It's much different than being able to be remote occasionally, you know, and it took, it took a good year for me to, to figure it out. And that was with coffee shops and all the other things that I had at my, at, at my disposal. Yeah. Now you got folks that are locked in their houses and they have no ability to really go and socialize. And I mean, it, that, it is a mental shift, you know, it, it's, it's I mean, very, very I mean, Let me put it this way. So like a case in point example, you know, I'm looking at you right now on video, right? I haven't seen you in what, six months, something like that. Right. And I feel like we're just picking right back off where we left off. And I miss your face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who so, does it? Who does it, Eric? <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I say something like that, what I mean is that camaraderie goes a long way. I think agencies that use video to, to have their, 
their staff interact, especially when we're remote, um, it are going to be better off than those agencies that don't. I think it changes the way that we might interface with clients as well. I mean, you know, video, I think that video was on the uptick heavily, but now I think that as we go forward, this is going to be something that, and again, it's like you said, I mean, we're not sure how long this lasts. The longer it lasts, the more normal it becomes, the, the more used to working this way we are. But, you know, I see producers being able to leverage this as a sales tool. I think that there's a lot of, of stuff there that we can learn from this and take this away and, and take you know, away. We're, we're actually, we're, we're using this opportunity to, um, to work with our retail staff on getting better with CRM and tracking their activity through there. And it is, uh, you know, CRM adoption, right? It's a night. Right. It's it, if there's not buy-in from the executive level, if there's not a carrot and a stick, if it, it, all of those things right. create significant issues with actually getting that across the line. But we're using it as an experiment because we, we might be able to, we think, move the needle and get them more engaged in, in the, the CRM uh, while they're, you know, kind of home and out of their their work element if that makes sense well yeah i mean i think when you look at technological adoption i mean if you're a slack shop or a team shop and you've been trying to push that and you've had some outliers that have been like i'm not using that crap but today i bet you money they're using that crap because that's the only way they can talk to people and so you know it, it's just interesting how this pandemic has really assisted the uh technologists in the firms to be able to push initiatives that in a lot of cases we've kind of been standing up and saying hey you know these are options that we probably want to leverage if not full-time at least to be have them as a strategic asset that we can when we want to right and i think coming away from this that is one of the enduring things that will happen and so you know, you know I, it's, it's really interesting to, to actually prove the concept with a month's work of work from home which is pretty much where we're at Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to say, yeah, we have the ability to work remote on a snow day and, 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 you know, we, we think people can be moderately productive, but when you do this thing for a month, mm -hmm. right. And you see that the, the results in terms of, uh, customer satisfaction have actually gone up like NPS scores are at all time highs for us. Um, when, when you see that in times of struggle, we're able to service our clients without skipping a beat, that's a powerful message that goes far beyond me just saying, yeah, we have the ability to work remote. This is proving the concept. And, you know, when we find the new normal after this is over, whether the, the agency chooses to, to work, to, to enable people to work remote or not, that it's sort of irrelevant to me because I know we can do it. And if the agency decides to go in that direction, I can support it. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that as, you know, with all the negative news and all the things that we have coming at us constantly, you know, we, we've got to be able to look at certain silver linings. Um, and I think that in an industry that is slow to change and reticent to change because of the risks that are there, you know, with a, a, a universal power like COVID making us adapt 
is actually a, a advantage. And I think for, for the agencies listening out there, you know, I would spend time thinking about what happens when you come out of this. How do you leverage what you learn to be provide better customer experience, better employee experience, you know, how more efficient utilization of space and a reduction in overhead so you can allocate that in more effective ways. You know, it's very it's very tumultuous time. I feel so bad for for those restaurant owners, those bar owners, um, the the folks that in the construction industry that may not be able to work right now. I, I feel bad long term, especially for like commercial real estate folks, because we know with all this working remotely, it's going to really shift the need for office space. Uh, this is going to fundamentally change the landscape in which we work, and it's a great time to be in insurance because if you're if you're nimble enough to allow folks to work remotely, you you're going to attract different talent, right? You're going to attract perhaps better talent, maybe geographically undesirable talent if you had an office that you needed them to be in but maybe they're the most productive worker and the most, the, the most revenue generating worker that you could possibly have. And ordinarily you just wouldn't hire them because they're too far away. Now you may think twice about that. And I think it's going to change how agencies approach not only hiring, but ongoing performance uh, management of their, of their employees and really how, how supervisors engage with their team. Right. No, I, I agree with you completely, man. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, when you do look at um, so much of the, the, the bad news, that those are some, some critically important. I mean, it's almost like we caught up to the rest of the, the industries in a month, you know, in a month and a half, you know. Well, you're not forced wrong. to. I, I completely agree with that. Eric, man, thank you so much for talking to me today. I want to have you on again. I want to talk about your clients. I want to talk about what they've gone through and how you guys have uh, dealt with that. We're out of time right now, though. So just big shout out. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that, brother? You hit me up on LinkedIn um, or shoot me an email. We'll have my email in the, in the show notes on the NDO website if, uh, if you want to post that up there. Um, but always happy to talk about insurance technology. And, uh, you know, if, if um, you hit me up on LinkedIn, I'll, I'll get back to you uh, as soon as I can. And beards. You always talk about beards, right? Always talk about beards. By the man. end of this, by the end of this, this beard is going to be extensive. I'm, I'm, I'm awesome, man. Thank you so much. Big shout out to Indio listeners, man. I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope you guys are able to expand that culture, use these tools, and learn from this. You know, you're going to come out of this stronger, more capable, more nimble, and better able to service your clients and your employees. Thank you. If you don't know Indio, you should check them out, www.useindio.com. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio simplifies the insurance application process for brokers and their clients. When using Indio, the process is fast, easy, and ENO free saving your agency time and money. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast.